City Image. Okay, hey y'all, it's City Image and we are back. This is Lordess Anita standing in her personhood. Y'all, I ain't been standing in my personhood on this podcast in a minute. I've been absent, but I am back today and I got some friends with me. So who is here today? Clay, a.k.a. Donnell Sterling, li- living my truth. <laughs> um, oh, you got new taglines? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you've been gone for a minute. There's taglines now, and there's no pressure. Just you got to come up with one on the spot that's, like, really profound and prophetic. Okay, does it change every week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Word. Uh, <laughs> is Daniel the creator? Um... Living my truth, you know what I'm saying? In the streets. Oh, boo. You can't have the same tagline. Like, it can't it's gonna change on the spot. You, you gotta flow in the prophetic, like Clay said. What is all the same to you? I actually didn't remember anything Clay said, so. Oh. Uh, there, there, there really isn't any taglines. I just, I just ran with it. There's no problem. All right, all right, all right. Um, um, yo, the creator, hearing the voice of the Lord. Amen. Mm. Amen. <laughs> yes. Who else we got? This is uh, this is Andy Youngness or County prophesying a turnaround for all of you in 2020. Hey, speak it over our lives. The latter shall be greater. Hallelujah. Yes. Oh, he do it. Hey, hallelujah. We're starting off strong in the Lord. All right. We about to jump in, y'all. We're in here. We are about to talk about a topic that I'm really passionate about. We are going to be talking about financial freedom, money management, what that means to you, what Christians should be thinking about that. So stay tuned, stay locked. You might get some tips and tricks. Make sure you get your money right, secure that bag. What are y'all thinking about this? How y'all feeling? I'm saying that Jay-Z was on this before us, all right? (laughs) In the the story of OJ, Verse two, my man says, financial freedom, my only hope. Now, his hope should be in the Lord. That should be the only hope. However, I understand what my guy is saying. I feel like a lot of people I know didn't even understand that term financial freedom until Jay-Z said it. So shout out to Jay-Z. But I think this is is a great topic as well. And we'll get into all the reasons why um, in a bit, especially in the black community, why this is important. What that even what does financial freedom even look like? So I'm really excited to talk about this too. And Cordes being being an expert at this topic, we are super excited <laughs> to have you on here to teach us dummies about how to manage our money. But you know what? Expert by experience. And shout out to Jay-Z. He, he the man and everything. But the Lord said more about money before him. Financial freedom is the Lord's concept. So let's get into that. We're going to talk about it. So stay tuned, stay locked. And this is City Image. What is up, family? It's Brian, the Theological Giant. I just want to thank all of you for listening to the City Image Podcast. Your continued support gives us the ability to produce faith-based content that is relevant to the urban context. If you haven't already, subscribe to City Image so that you won't miss any of our episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast on every major platform, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing our podcast helps us grow our audience. Also, 
If you've been blessed by our work, please consider sharing our content with friends and on social media. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The City Image and make sure to like the City Image Facebook page as well. Lastly, feel free to email any feedback, thoughts, and comments on any of our episodes at cityimagepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you and enjoy the episode. All right, y'all. So we are back and we are talking about financial freedom. So what is financial freedom? We're here to talk about it. We're here to get some tips and some tricks and see what we come up with. But first, we got to talk about what it even is. So right now, according to Forbes magazine, the United States has a 1.6 trillion. That's trillion with a T, not billion with a B. We have $1.6 trillion in student loan debt coming from millennials. And who are millennials? You might be saying, I'm not a millennial. Millennials are anyone born between 1981 to 1996. So the majority of our, our listeners, us on the podcast right now, we are all considered millennials. And our group of people, y'all, we got that $1.6 million in debt. And the average student loan debt right now is around $30,000. So most people that you know, they probably got that 30K in the bag right now. Now, according to some other articles, millennials are facing a lot of money problems, and it's not just student loans. Another CNBC article said that student loans aren't even the main source of millennial debt. Credit card debt is actually the biggest factor. And we're getting into, they're saying that millennials are getting into debt because of things such as lifestyle creep, low income, and really rising day-to-day costs. And especially right now in the coronavirus pandemic, like people are losing their jobs like crazy. So millennials are facing money problems. And what how that's impacting us is meaning that millennials are having to date to delay what are called traditional markers of adulthood because of their debt load. So people are delaying moving out of their parents' homes. They're delaying getting married. They're delaying pursuing dream careers. So yeah, like we have a debt crisis going on right now. So we want to talk about it. So first off, for the panelists, let me just ask y'all, like, do y'all have some loan debt? How's it, it impacting you? Jeez. So, <laughs> ouch. So yeah, I went to a private art school, and so let's just say I got that. I got student loan debt, and my my parents got student loan debt. Mm, your name. parents got student loan debt. Yeah, bro. Oh, that's no that, that that's rough. It's rough. So, yes, yes, I did. No, it absolutely is a racket. There are people who are out here. So I participated in a teacher panel where they were talking about the average student loan debt is 30K, but then they have the 90th percentile of student loan debt, people who have $100,000 in student loan debts or more. And I was like, well, shucks, I'm in the 90th percentile because, yeah, like I literally just paid off Hundred three thousand one hundred twenty five dollars. Come on, wow. that, that, that deserves a round of applause. That's crazy. Thank you. So you know, and I'm they're talking about oh that was in the ninetieth percentile, but I know a ton of people who have a, over a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Like it's a real thing. Like what else have y'all experienced it? What who else has loans? Yeah, I I went to a state school. 
which was like really clutch. And so I didn't really have too much student loan debt. However, one of my really close friends, she actually, she went to uh, dental school and she actually has $400,000 in student loan debt. And, (laughs) and the interest is like developing so quickly that it's like, it grows quicker than like how much she's paying. And she's like paying pretty aggressively. So it's just crazy. But I got my own financial situations and whatnot. But thankfully, student loan debt was uh, was not so much because I, I went to a state school and I, I was a little cheaper. Mm. Clay, what about you? Yeah, man. <clears throat> CUNY schools. That's all I can say, bro. Don't go after the, the, the brand name. <laughs> yeah, but, but stick with America's choice, you know, stick with America's that. choice, man. It's because it's nonsense. Are you looking at that? Like, uh, I won't say what family member. I got a family member who, who she she's still paying off college loans. She went to a private school, and that's messed her up in a lot of ways. It messed her up. She's still struggling. The impact that it can take on somebody's mental situation just always having that debt loom like you're working to pay off this debt that it's not like a home or anything like that and so it's been really difficult watching those who i love be really bogged down with student debt it's crazy to me it's crazy so this is my yo go to a cuny school man city schools whatever (laughs) my i got a friend who who went to he went to Columbia, but first he did two years at community college. And he was like, he loves telling people, he was like, ask me where I got the best education. And he'll always say the community college. Like, that's where he got his be- Yeah, it's sad. It's a sad situation. In yo, the Clay, yo, you talked about the brand name. Let's talk about that. It, it really does impact, like, what school you go to. But for me, like, I went to historically black college. Shout mm. out to HBCUs out here. Like, I wanted to go for that cultural experience and really and truly when I graduated high school wasn't anybody else admitting me because I had a low GPA like my only chance of going to college was a historically black college and unfortunately because of the way that they're set up in the world that we live in HBCUs actually don't get that much funding so they aren't able to offer as many scholarships they aren't able to offer as much student loans not they do give you student loans they're not able to give you as much financial aid So a lot of times when you have HBC graduates, they are saddled with more student loan debt, which is true of the black community. There's a lot more debt load that you carry. While I would have loved to be like, oh, yeah, I got this scholarship. I got this funding. I got that from my school. My school really didn't have it because of the setup. But yeah, like it actually impacts so much further than just, oh, yeah, I got these loans. It impacts your entire quality of life. So y'all that Was anyone else... Was anyone else not surprised that black colleges are not getting funding? (laughs) (laughs) It's not. They're just not. Like, for every dollar that PWI, the white school, gets, we're getting, like, 20% of that. So it really is just, yeah, it is just an immense wealth disparity in the, the distributions that are going towards HBCUs. And HBCUs are public universities, so they actually should be getting more funding more often than not, but they don't. Shout out to America. This is the world we live in. 
So oh. now we talked about the problem. So what is financial freedom? What does that mean to all of you? <laughs> that means I can buy my wife any bag she wants. I can roll <laughs> up in the nicest whip. I can roll through my old hood in my new whip. That's financial freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Hashtag hood rich. <laughs> financial freedom, I think for me, means you, your money is working for you, whether that is paying into a mortgage, whether that is just budgeting, budgeting correctly. I don't think financial freedom means you have to be rich. I think it means you are not stressed about money because you manage your money. You can have a a minimum wage paying job and live within your means. Ultimately, I think it is your money is not controlling. You are controlling your money effectively and efficiently to the point where that is not something that is a way. It's not weighing you down. Yeah, I think financial freedom is technically is just the, like the ability to be free with your money and not have the pressures of uh, debt hanging over you and being able to use your money freely. And I think when I think about that, for me, it, it what it really it looks like being able to save money for my future, being able to help my parents out, being able to give freely to other people who are in need. Yeah, you know, I feel y'all on, like, I want to buy my mama a house eventually. Like, I'm trying to, I want all the rich goals. I want all the bags. I want all the shoes. I want the everything. But for me, like, when I'm, what really struck me of getting on a financial freedom journey is, like, it, it's connected to the kingdom. So the Bible says, like, um, in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Mm-hmm. So if my treasure is in debt, if my treasure is tied up in like being stressed about who I owe money to, my heart can't freely be given to the Lord. And I can't actually go after the things of purpose. I can't actually be actively working to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth. If I like, I don't got no money. I don't got no bag. Like all of my money is tied up in things I don't want it to be. So what keeps me going is ultimately like it's for the kingdom. That's what my money is for. Yeah, I've always heard that you hear this often in church. It's not, it's God's money. We just manage it. I think Mm -hmm. part of managing that money is, is understanding the game of money. How does money work? Being financially literate, playing the game so that we're managing the money that God has blessed us with. But I think that has to start with some kind of education. Otherwise, you're not playing the game well. When I think of financial freedom, I'm also thinking about like the education. The edu- you ha- being educated with finance, I think, is part of and, and cannot exist without. Cannot you can't have financial freedom without education of how money works. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, you talked about playing the game. Like we know in America, the different players of the game start in different places. If you are a brown player or a darker hued player of the game, you tend to start off in a different financial place than a fairer hued uh, player of the game. So let's talk about financial literacy in the black community. What does that look like? Notice the silence. 
Uh, <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> it, we don't know. <laughs> we, we just don't know. And honestly, like, a lot of minority families, they are too captured in other things. Like, they're too worried about putting food on the table. They're too yeah. worried about how am I going to make ends meet from month to month to really sit down and have financial conversations with their children. Like, how many of you ever had a, a debt-to-income ratio conversation with your parents? Yeah, the only thing my mother ever said was, you got to put money away. And and that's because my mom was a single mom. We we're just trying to survive. We didn't, she didn't necessarily have that knowledge either. And so I didn't grow up learning about any time. I, I, I was probably 30 before I started learning how to manage my money. And oddly enough, that came through people in the church sitting down with me and, and helping me understand how to manage my money, yeah. but definitely myself, my friends, the, we're way behind the curve when it comes to financial literacy. Yeah, I, I feel growing up, the main thing I heard about money was we don't got McDonald's money. There's food at home. We don't have McDonald's right. money. There's food at home. Words. That's, that's the, really the extent of my financial literacy growing up. Uh, but actually, l- later on, in my late teens, early 20s, my dad was super into Dave Ramsey. Um, and so I, you know, I got a, a real kind of early start with, with learning about like finances with Dave Ramsey. But the thing about it was I was too broke anyway to be able to like do anything. And I, and I also feel like um, living in New York City is a whole other beast. And so even if I did have some kind of uh, past or uh, point of view on like how my financial life should look, it didn't mean that I could actually live it out. And uh, just being undisciplined. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like it takes such a toll on like your psyche as a, as a, I don't know if it's just pertaining to being black or growing up and not having much, but like buying a home or a car yeah. seemed impossible. I was like, there's no way you got to be a millionaire. Boring. The truth is, you don't. You just need to be disciplined and, and educated on how to manage your money. But unless you have that foundation, like it does seem. Yeah, it's hard. You're always feeling less than because you don't have what other people have, which is a dangerous game to play in the first place. But still, that for me personally, that took such a toll on on my identity being like, I'm never going to be able to achieve, to buy a home, to get married, to, well, oh my gosh, how much do kids cost? Like, mm-hmm. to, yeah. to raise a kid? Like, that, how do people even do this? Like, without losing their mind, so... I think it also impacts your identity. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, there are some real challenges that African-Americans face in America. So even just, like, looking at one particular step, like, if we look at retirement savings, which for those in America, like, eventually if we get to age 65 or older, you want to be able to retire comfortably. Just looking at the the gap between retirement um, savings. So listen to this. 62% 62% of working age black holes, black households do not have any assets in a retirement account. And so there are more African-Americans who do not have retirement savings than those who do. 
versus in white households with no retirement um, accounts, it's only 37% of white households. So there are actually more white households that have retirement savings versus ones that don't. So we in America, there's a very clear breakdown on along racial lines for financial literacy and financial ability. So even thinking about this, should we as Christians, should we even care? Should we even be thinking about wealth and debt and all that? Should it matter for us? Yeah, I think to, to your point earlier, what the word says about money and even being in debt, like it's pretty clear. I think it is. If you're looking at finances as a form of worship and as a responsibility that God has placed on you, I think Christians should be talking about this. Christians should be helping each other and helping however many people they can to understand how to manage their money. Because I do believe that managing your money well is an act of worship. Come on, worship. Mm. If everybody in the church poor, how are we going to further the kingdom? Like, who paying for stuff? Who keeping the lights on? Who is sending missionaries out to the mission field? Like, if nobody has money, everybody got bad credit, everybody's in debt, like, none of us have any cash to do anything, how are we going to be able to advance the the mission of Christ? Like, I think about even Christ in his life. Like, he had wealthy people around him who were his supporters and helped him to be able to move freely. Mm. Like, somebody got to have some cash. Somebody in the church got to have And I think about how the mission can just be cut off and it can be held up. Like in the word, it says that the the slave is borrower to the lender. So the word of God, the mission of Christ can actually be a slave because we're all indebted to other people. Like we are held back because we are in debt. So absolutely, like I don't see anything wrong with a Christian being wealthy or being financially secure Again, like you, your heart shouldn't be in your money or you shouldn't be in love with your money, but, but you should be using it. Like at least know where it's going, friend. Know how to use your money. But yeah, yeah. if we were thinking about that, if we've named so many problems, like we are in a crisis, folks are out here struggling with their money. But of course, we don't want to just leave it as fatalistic. Like it might feel like, oh, I can never get out of this. I don't know how to do this. I'm struggling. I'm feeling crushed by a debt load. We don't want to leave the message there. There are definitely things that you can do to build financial freedom. So like for anyone, has there been any advice or anything that you've gotten that has helped you just in the way that you think about money and actually practicing to steward it well? Like my wife and I, we started this like envelope system where basically that works. Yeah, the envelope system is clutch. You basically just, I'm still, Dan, can you explain the envelope system? I know how to do it. It's just very hard for me to explain it. Yeah, so I think essentially the main thought behind envelope system is the fact that you're more tied to, like emotionally tied to spending money if it's cash rather than if you just swipe a card. And so it's a good way to budget. Essentially, you're budgeting for these different categories like food, uh, clothing, or whatever, and then you're putting cash in the envelopes. And whatever is in the envelope is what you can spend on this category of thing. If it's not in the envelope, you cannot spend it. And I remember, so I did that for a little while, and it was, like, awesome because, like, I always had extra money, and I was it was like a game because then I would gather up whatever was left in the envelopes and put it in this other envelope for something else I was saving for. So, yeah, it was great for me. Yeah, my wife and I 
do something similar. We're still working on implementing it, but we before we got married, yo, I cannot recommend this enough. Along with marriage counseling, like marriage counseling should be about like communication and stuff within the relationship, but then you should have a separate financial counseling. That was so helpful for us, and we spoke about this. But our system is we we will allow. We have allowance. And okay, depending on what your budget is, let's say it's 75 bucks, you get $75 a month to do whatever you want, no questions asked within the confines of respecting your marriage. Hallelujah. Right? But 75 that, and you can accrue that over time. If you don't spend it this month, you can add it to the next month. But we use a budgeting system, we have budgeting apps and things like that. So we know exactly how what's coming in, what's going out. So it's a digital envelope system essentially. That's been really uh, helpful for sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of budget coaching and financial coaching, Lourdes is literally does budget coaching. So enough of us like novices and amateurs, like you're Phil Jackson in the game. So <laughs> can you drop some knowledge? I, I, I paid for this hour. I want to get... <laughs> <I wanna> get- <laughs> Uh, listen, look, we this, right now, if y'all really are serious about your money, like you want to sit down and you want someone to come alongside you, I'm here for you. I mentioned a little bit about my, my testimony, but I recently paid off a massive amount of debt, and it was only because I had to make like really clear sacrifices and to get like really focused. But I also had key people who were like mentors who spoke into my life. And I'm like, you know what? I want to be able to do that for another person. I have started doing budget coaching. So if you don't know, like you have no idea how to make a budget, you are just like, sis, how did you pay off that much in loan? Let's talk. So if you are interested in doing budget coaching, you could head over to my website at lordeskanita.com. Sign up. Mm. We could sit down. We could pray about it. We could cry. We can like share, commiserate. Like, girl, I had this much. Girl, how you got that? Or whoever else wants to join. But yeah, definitely check that out. And I'm looking forward to working people. Like money, really and truly winning with money. Dave Ramsey says this all the time. Like winning with money is 80% behavior and 20% head knowledge. So yeah, we have to get the knowledge, but it really is about the steps that you take. So a game that my wife and I will play is we'll go to the store, whatever store we go to, and... I'll be like, oh, I really want this thing. I want that thing. That's not necessary, right? And, like, we'll hold it for a little bit in the cart. And then before we go up to the line, we'll go, all right, I don't really need that. I don't really need that. I don't really need that. And we'll put that stuff back. Because behavior, right? Like you said, it's 80% behavior. It's mentality. Like, not to be impulsive and buy whatever and looking at the long-term goal is the most important Absolutely. Like some your some behaviors, you talked about the envelope system, like that really is just to trick your mind into seeing I have this much money, this is how much I could spend. It really is just the day to day things that you do that uh, eventually build up and accrue into wealth. So are you bought that thing? Do you need to get your hair cut every week? Or can you learn how to cut your own hair? Do you need to buy that much coffee every day? Can you make your own? $30 $30 Keurig. <laughs> Shout out to the people who drink coffee. I don't drink coffee. I don't know. Do you need to spend that much money on coffee every day? Like it is those little day-to-day decisions that you make and people build up to your wealth knowledge and your financial freedom. So let's get to that. That is my prayer for everyone. 
we have this major crisis in America. We have millennials who are just far behind financially. And we know that is how the world is operating. But as Christians, we have a greater hope. And we know that there are steps that we can take. And through faith and discipline and working a program, we can actually have a great financial future. So let's do it together. All right. So we've been learning a little bit more about financial freedom, having this discussion. Lourdes, seeing as you've achieved what seems to be the impossible and paying off <laughs> over $100,000 of My debt, I just want, let's just ask you some questions, some things that could be helpful to our listeners. So I guess my first question is, all right, so let's say I'm listening to this podcast. First time I'm thinking about it, I'm in my, my mid-20s. I have a, let's say I have a job that doesn't pay very well. I got insurmountable debt. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I want to move away from that. Lord, as what should be my first step? How do I begin my financial freedom journey? The first thing I'm going to ask you, if you ask me that question, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, have you hit rock bottom yet? Because Mm -hmm. you have to get to rock bottom and realize, oh, this is a problem. I have to fix it. And if you have not fallen to that place yet, then you're not actually ready to do what it takes to get out of it. Because this is a grind. We want to talk about hustling, grind culture. Like getting out of debt and getting your money right is a grind. So if you're not, if you haven't fallen to your lowest place where you feel like I have to do this, then you're not ready. So that's step one. Like for me, my rock bottom moment was okay, I'm making, I have a really good salary. And there was an event that like my friends, they were playing dodgeball. And I'm like, okay, I don't play sports. So I need to get some sneakers and I need to get sweats and stuff because I'm gonna be running outside. And I went to the store and I bought $60 sneakers and a $100 tracksuit and my account bounced. I did not have enough money in my account to cover a $160 purchase. And I broke. I was just like, how is this even possible? With the money that I'm pulling in every week, like, why don't I have enough money to do this? And it was really because I was just spending crazy. I was like taking shopping trips. I had a $800 student loan payment. And I was just like letting my money do whatever I wanted. And I wasn't really like thinking about what was happening with my money. And at that moment, I was like, I, I, I can't live like this anymore. This is not okay. I have to do something about that. So I had my rock bottom moment first. Then the second step, like actually look at your money. Look at how much you owe. I did not want to acknowledge how much I had a student loan debt. Like, I would joke with my friends and be like, listen, if I met a man, I would be more okay telling him I have herpes than telling him how much student loan debt I have. Now, I don't have herpes. Let's make sure that if you hear nothing else on this podcast, hear that. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, the, the mentality that I had around money was like, it was more okay for me to have this goals having an STD than having this debt. That's how I felt about it. So, and I didn't want to look at my student loan debt. But finally, like, after I had my rock bottom moment, I had to actually look at all of my accounts and calculate how much I owed. And when I saw that amount, I was just like, I felt the weight. I'm like, this is, my life is over. <laughs> like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But after that, like I had to start taking the steps. Then what after you've looked at it, you had your rock bottom moment, you've looked at 
what the problem is now make a budget like actually sit down and plan how much money do I get every month in income versus how much expenses do I have once you're clear on okay I owe $14 for Netflix and chill every month. Oh, I'm spending this much on Apple Music and put everything down on your budget, everything that you're spending for. Make sure that you're clear on that number. Then after that, like start seeing what can you cut out of your budget? Do you need to have three music subscriptions? I had Tidal, Apple Music, and Spotify, and I was paying all three. No, find a friend. Everybody got a password somewhere. Phone a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Let's share. Let's just be a community. Let's share. Get somebody's Disney Plus. Definitely look at what you can cut out. Like what is fluff and see, okay, if you are a renter, can you live with someone? Can you get a roommate? Can are you can you change that? If you have a car, can you get rid of your car? Can you sell your car? Do you need are you in an area where there's a train? Can you take the train? Like just looking and seeing, okay, do I need the things that I'm spending money for? Yeah. Just going through those steps. Yeah, Lord Death, Guru, um, <laughs> oh, 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 chosen one. Um, <laughs> I, I have a question, and I think it mainly centers around like in the moment, like desire to spend money. You know, like when you've had a really long, hard day of work, and you get home, and Uber Eats is calling your name, and you're just looking at, yo, what can I get that's not and you've had a long, hard day, what do you do to keep yourself from making those kind of like purchases? How do you keep yourself disciplined when in the moment it's like, man, I just, I just want to do this or I just want to get this. Yeah. What, What do you do? What do you say? Well, yeah, you use the right term. It actually is discipline. Like you have to discipline yourself in that moment of to say no. Get really comfortable with telling yourself, you're broke, you don't got no money, we cannot afford this. Like having that conversation with yourself is very eye-opening. So I had many times where I'm like, sis, you can't afford that. No, (laughs) like just, just flat out, no, you can't afford it. Also, get visuals. Like actually, like there are a lot of templates that you can get online if you Google a a debt thermometer like you set your goal and you're like coloring in how much you've paid off if you have that visual in front of you and you keep that in front of you you'll be like oh like this is the goal that I'm at I've actually said I need to stay on track so I can meet this the other thing is you have to plan ahead so a part of the budgeting process is planning what you are spending for that month you're sitting down at the start of the month and looking at what do I need to spend this month The other thing that you might have to add in is food planning, okay? So if, like, I am tempted to do Uber Eats or I take out, like, okay, let me plan my meals for the week or let me sit down and do meal prep so that I have the food home because I know I get home at 8 o'clock at night. I'm not cooking nothing. Pull this little Tupperware out that fridge, pop it in the microwave so that I don't have to worry about that. But also within your budget, Look at your food budget. Have you actually set a line item for candy? Did you set a line item for Talenti? Make sure that you have all the things. It's like, if this is something that I cannot part with, this is something that I really care about or something that I really want, you budget for it so that on the front end, you have that line item and you don't feel guilty when you're spending the money on it. 
Yo, that's a good call. If I learned anything in quarantine, I learned that, like, I spend money on the dumbest stuff for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely the same thing. But it Yo. really isn't for for no reason, though. Honestly, yeah, like, yeah. every purchase that we make is coming from somewhere. And it so we talk about financial literacy being a lot about behavior. There is a reason that you're acting the way that you're acting. There's a reason that we go on Amazon and order 50 pairs of jeans when we don't need, we already have 10 pairs of jeans. Like you're actually trying to fill time or you're bored or you're hungry or you're sad or you feel like you feel entitled. There's a reason behind the behavior choice that you made. So getting like really clear on that, knowing yourself, knowing your triggers and understanding like, oh, I spent that money for a reason. If you're one of those people, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be judgmental and I don't, I, don't, I don't give a rip i don't give a rip if you are one of them folks who go to the club and you buy a bottle your mother didn't raise you right there's a breakdown in raising you somewhere where you thought that was all right to spend three hundred dollars on a bottle of jose cuervo like <laughs> don't talk to me don't talk don't ask yo man i'm hungry man you can't borrow without you just spent all that dough at the club for what? For what? I think our behavior and what we are hoping to get out of life needs to be in check. Our priorities need to, and we need to, in the, especially in the black community, we need to have more conversation on those things. Like, what are some? What are your priorities? What is more important to have the appearance of wealth or actual wealth? I think that's important. I just want to go back real quick. You, you were saying you got to hit rock bottom. I, I, most of your friends, like you're not a real one unless you've had 86 cents in your checking account <laughs> at some point in your life. Don't you? You don't talk to me about struggle unless you had a zero and then a decimal point in your bank account. And the other piece, I just want to encourage those who are putting off getting married for financial reasons. I'm in ministry. My wife is in ministry. We've never made a lot of money. Great thing is she's an immigrant. That's another piece of advice. Uh, marry an immigrant. They'll get your money. Yeah. They, they know how to budget. But I, I'm probably <clears throat> one of the closest times I felt to my wife was right before we got married and we had our financial meeting because it was the most raw that we or the most vulnerable in that area than that we've ever been and so we're sitting down with the person who's helping us and it's like all right cool open up your bank accounts let's see what let's see what you guys have and it was such a nerve i was dreading that meeting but going into it and especially having a great coach which by the way again if you're looking for a coach hit up bordez but but having great coach to help break down, okay, this is not that bad. Okay, this is where you're at. But if we put, if we, you implement this plan, these things are now achievable in your life. And being able to look at ourselves and, and be vulnerable in that moment, but then come together and, and decide on how we are going to move forward as a couple, regardless of how much or how little we have, that brought my wife and I so much closer together where I thought that thing was going to rip us apart. I thought she was going to look at my bank account and be like, nope. She <laughs> thought the same thing about me, that I was going to look at her bank account and be like, nope. 
and we both are like, okay, we're not, none of this is impossible. We're not rich. We don't have a lot, but we can make this money work. So I encourage you guys, first of all, you, you never have enough money to get married. So don't let that be something that stops you. You're never, you never have enough money to have a kid or have a home. But just tapping it, looking at it in the face, I think you were saying that before, Lourdes, like look at your money. It, it stops being such a, a thing of identity. And especially for myself and my wife, it became a project. Yeah. So I just want to encourage you, your, anybody who's out there, like your spouse or your potential spouse is probably done when it comes to money too. So don't feel too bad. <laughs> Yeah, like you, you, Clay, you said it. Like, really and truly, your money is not your identity. Your money is not who you are. Your money is a tool in your hands and what you do with it. It, 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 mm. it you are not a bad person if you have made financial mistakes. Mm. Newsflash, everyone has. We're all walking around here carrying those mistakes. Okay, mm. fine. We own up to them and now we move on and we take tangible steps to move on. And I am a single woman, so I've been able to make these financial decisions on my own. But for those of you who are married, like, you absolutely should be on that team mentality. Like, how are we playing this game together? I know, like, when it comes to looking at, like, a spreadsheet, I have a panic attack, and I don't (laughs) really know how to navigate that. And for those of us who are, like, not, not as, like spreadsheet minded i don't know how else to put it do you have any recommendations for like apps or anything online that that helps with stuff like that with like budgeting and like kind of planning and whatnot absolutely so i have a couple of apps so there's one app called mint and mint can help you track your spending and what i like about mint when you put in so you can tag your accounts to it so when, when you put in your debt account and you put in your bank account, it shows you your net worth. And if you have debt, it will put your net worth as negative whatever. So seeing yourself worth negative $86,000 <laughs> is, oh, Jesus, what do I need to do? To just, just, just remember you're made in God's image. You got infinite worth, but your bank <laughs> account is negative $86,000. You know. <laughs> <laughs> your worth comes from the Lord, but you're fine. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yo, honestly, like the financial journey will make you have to encourage yourself in the Lord because you're like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, when you see that negative red number, you're like, nah, fam, I, I, I got to change that. So Mint definitely minds your business and throws it in your face. But I appreciate that about Mint. The other app is Every Dollar is a budget. Yeah, someone mentioned that. Every Dollar is a budgeting app that you can definitely use. That's Dave Ramsey's baby. He recommends that all the time. Listen, Dave Ramsey podcast and YouTube videos, he is an ornery, cantankerous old white man. But I tell you what, having that white man scream at me through YouTube (laughs) regularly, it was like, oh, no. I can't have this white man yelling at me. So I need to change. <laughs> I need to change what I'm doing. Because uh, he out here calling me stupid. But you know what? I'ma stop doing what I'm doing. So yeah, definitely like listening to that. If you are not someone who is ready to do process just yet, that's definitely a key resource. Um also get paper and pencil. If you are not someone who looks at apps or technology is not your friend, get you a journal. Get a paper, 
write your expenses down on paper. If you are more of a visual person, there are templates that you could print out where you can color things in. There are a lot of resources. If you just Google financial templates, like the world is your oyster on the internet, you'll be able to find a ton of things that work specifically for you. I think of, uh, actually, the tip that my mother did give me, she always said, pay yourself first, which is... I didn't realize it, but it's a shift in mentality in that at the end of the month, I'm paying myself, right? If I'm budgeting out my money correctly and I'm taking care of those things I need to be taken care of financially, I, I can be left over with something and I'm paying myself at the end of the month. And so don't look at budgeting, uh, discipline in, in the financial area as a constraint look at it as you're paying yourself it's a job and you're making your money make money so just try i would recommend shifting that mentality from survival to an active participant in this experience yo you talked about mindset like i want to encourage christians like the bible really is a mindset resetter like if you actually read the word and you are in it like it'll help change your mindset and everything there's a verse for everything like you you talked about shifting the way you think about discipline hebrews 12 11 says no discipline seems pleasant at the time but later on however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it that absolutely applies to money. Like there, I can't explain to you the feeling that I had when I finally sent the last payment to Navian. It's like, <laughs> bye girl, you ain't in my life no more. Boop! And that only came from discipline. Whereas I didn't like having to say no going on vacation. I didn't like having to not buy that Chanel bag. I didn't like not being able to buy whatever takeout I want to. But at the end of it, it's like, oh, I met my goal. And it definitely brought a feeling of peace. So discipline is your friend. If you're lonely right now during COVID, I, I say if you're on that track to get rid of your student debt, keep like a dollar of debt in your student just so you can have someone to call you every day. <laughs> um, just to say what up, chop it up a little bit. I know it's difficult out here. You know? Let me tell you, then, Sally will talk to you if you owe yeah. her. You need Sally will call. She will text. She will remind. She will email. She a friend. Mm-hmm. Hey girl, how you doing? Oh, you know, where my money? Where my money? <laughs> yeah, and I think I think that Lord, as I really appreciate what you're saying because, like, I think I don't know. I know for me, for a lot of people. A lot of my friends, a lot of people in our generation, we have an acute awareness that like the system is like super broken and a lot of us are not in debt on accident and it sucks and we want to like completely change like the system and we should like work towards that. But I think, yo, we got to work the system that we're in so long as it exists. And I really feel I think this is just like a conversation that doesn't really have that just doesn't happen enough. Where we're talking about, okay, yeah, nah, like it, the student loan debt is a complete hustle, but we got it. And so we need to maneuver and navigate our way out of it if we're going to be able to support ourselves and support each other. So I feel that. But yeah, we can absolutely transcend the system that we are in. So we, we talk about the system. If we even look at the, the typical financial layout, everyone tells you, oh, you should have good credit or you need a credit score 
or make sure they say that student loan debt is good debt or having certain debt accounts are good debt. Nah, fam, there's no debt that's good debt. No debt is good debt. Even like shifting that mindset of, oh, it's not about having a good credit score. It really is making sure that you have zero debt and that you're, the income that you have, you are actually living below that income and living within that income. A credit score is calculated by how much money you have in income versus your debt account. So it's constantly fluctuating. Like I would look at it day to day and it's, oh, one day my credit score is a five something. Now, oh, today my credit score is a 730. Like it really is, it, it constantly fluctuates. So when I was paying off debt, every time I would close a student loan account, my credit score would plummet. And I would feel like, oh, my God, I have a bad credit score. But girl, you have more money in the bank now and you have less of a debt load. So mm-hmm. it, even the, the credit score is a hustle because it, it, it tries to get you emotionally tied to this number and even like putting your identity in this number when really the goal is for you to have no debt and to be completely debt free and to build up your income. So even like shifting our mind around like what the system is and how we buy into it because we can transcend the system. Um, right now we look at what's going on with the world with those who lost their jobs during COVID and the new normal that we're living in where some of those jobs may never come back. Like the people who are okay right now during this pandemic are people who have money. It's people who had savings. It's people who did not have a heavy debt load. Like they're, they're looking at the world and they're concerned, but they're not pulling their hair out. They're not feeling like, oh God, the world is, the world is ending. Like, you know, we have savings. We're comfortable. So those people, they're like, it doesn't matter what the system does. It doesn't matter if banks fail. It doesn't matter if the economy fails. I'm okay. So we can transcend the system just by taking these steps. Well, that's great news because it seems like we're spiraling into the apocalypse. So I'm glad that we'll be able to support ourselves. (laughs) Y'all, we covered a lot. Like we, we talked about a lot and we know that right now the world, the United States, we are facing a financial crisis. As Christians, we should not be placing our hope in financial systems. We should not be looking to the world to solve all of our problems. We know that we have a greater hope. But we also know there, there may be some things that we need to do better. We probably need to get on a budget. We should be making sure that we are being good stewards of our finances because in being good stewards of our finances, we are able to be good stewards in the kingdom and advance the gospel. So, yeah, make sure that you are keeping your hope grounded in Christ and then just taking those tangible steps towards financial freedom. If you need someone to come alongside you, you want a friend to help you, I am here. Um, check out my budget coaching. You could go right onto my website and make an appointment at lordesbonita.com. And yeah, so we have been talking about money and we're here. This is City Image and I am Lordess Bonita, standing in my personhood and moving towards financial freedom. This is Clay, a.k.a. Donnell Sterling, living my truth. My advice to you on this subject is marry an immigrant. Um, <laughs> and you'll be straight but yeah i agree man we as a community we just need to have more of these conversations and it, make it not as daunting or as deprecating to our personhood to have these conversations so um, i'm here for financial freedom let's get it word and this is andy young Ness or carney and my advice to you is you should talk to lord as 
Check out the show notes. Check out her website, you know. All right, y'all. We'll see y'all on the next episode. Bye. Peace. Peace out. Married immigrant. (laughs) I'm an immigrant. Hey. Hey, I told y'all. I told y'all. City Image.